Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to Home Education Matters and today I'm joined by Andrea Gadsby and we're going to be talking about how you move from becoming a mainstream teacher, branching into tuition and perhaps thinking about becoming a one-to-one tutor or offering group classes and perhaps you're also interested in finding out how you can work within the home education sector, how you can support home educated children, how you can actually provide a really good quality service and do it successfully and run your own business successfully as a tutor. So I'm looking forward to talking to Andrea about that today. Hello, Andrea. It's very nice to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be here, Eleanor. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a teacher by trade as such, an English teacher, and I've been teaching, well, been in, in education for nearly 20 years now. And it was a couple of years ago, three years ago, pandemic was a watershed for so many people. Um, and for me, I've always dabbled in a bit of tuition, as a lot of teachers have, due to, you know, just making a little bit of pocket money. But then when the, obviously, the the kind of the acceleration of online learning, um, a lot of the tutees that I had that I would go visit outside of um, teaching to kind of obviously had to go online. So like in so many industries, we had to gen up with being able to meet like this, like we are now. And and it sort of grew from there. And I realized that I had more time. And then all of a sudden more people were asking, oh, can you do a little bit of extra work? Because obviously they're not getting it uh, online from school. And it kind of grew from there. And I thought, oh, there's actually more than just pocket money potentially to be made here. And uh, it then grew um, more and more as a, as a sideline, if you like, once we were back in the sort of pandemic classrooms, which, again, was just mental in itself. And over the over a couple of years, it became it got to the point where I thought, oh, actually, I can start to perhaps do this and not teach as much. And so I gradually started to reduce my hours and then started to network more and meet, meet more people and realize that the, the tuition space. Uh, was growing not just privately but also with the advent then of the NTP and the catch-up tuition and tuition's got a lot more of a of a spotlight and a and seen as a a really viable addition and sometimes replacement with online schooling now for traditional teaching and learning and so that's kind of how my path to where I am today with my own tuition business um, is uh, is where I am now and it's sort of growing all the time so in the last couple of years it's just grown sort of quite exponentially. And I've really had to put the cap on it because of various other things that I have to do with my life, like sleep and eat and be a mum. And sort of working about how the best way to grow that business has been. And along the way, I've met a lot of other educators who are trying to do something similar, but different in their own way. And it's, it's no secret that a lot parallel to sort of my little journey has been it's sad really that the near collapse of what's happening in teaching and a lot more teachers are trying to look at still wanting to be in education but perhaps not in a very stressful unappreciated underpaid way that 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 it is at the minute so that's kind of been my journey in terms of where I am now with my tuition and how it's growing but I've had to put a little bit of a cap on it because of certain issues that I'm sure that maybe any tutors listening to this might have which is this whole issue of exchanging time for money which tends to be the, the, the key barrier to either growth um, or, you know, development really of, of a tuition business. And I'm getting to the stage where I can't really keep transacting my time for money because it's, it you know, there's a ceiling on, on how much I can earn and how much I can provide. 
And so the other part of what I do is now, um, when I wanted to get out of teaching as such and, and concentrate more on growing my business, I wanted more flexibility as well. And I, I now work as a consultant um, as part of my, my other sort of stem to what I do. I work in supporting teaching and learning across a trust um, in Rochdale. You can probably hear the accent. I am from uh, Greater Manchester. And so I'm working for a trust in Rochdale called the Water Grove Trust as a teaching and learning consultant which has been fantastic. I've been working across secondary schools in the trust, helping to support teaching and learning improvements and developments, primarily from a, um, an English perspective, because that's obviously my background as an English teacher, but uh, raising the profile of literacy across the trust, but also helping to develop middle leaders who are, as we know, overworked and stretched with, and some of them are, aren't very experienced, and almost acting as a mentor and a coach for improving teaching and learning developments um, across the school. So I love being in school still, doing what I do and dabbling still in a bit of teaching and also doing my tuition and almost in a way winging it a little bit because I wasn't sure if you'd have asked me this time last year when I was still kind of in the classroom, would I be not teaching? Would I have a tuition business that's growing to the point where I'm having to reevaluate what I do with it and also have a, a role as a consultant? I, I wouldn't, I would have gone get out no way um <laughs> however the downside I suppose to anybody listening to this who's, who's in, in teaching or owns their own business is that nothing is certain and even though I've got some great duties and I am maxed out and I have a waiting list I don't know if that's going to be the case next year my consultancy role um may not well not continue in its current form as it is next year so the, the, there is kind of the hustle side and and becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable that I've had to try and accept over the last sort of couple of years with trying to take a different path and I think that's probably the same for anybody who has their own business it's never nothing's ever certain you're not salaried you you, you know you've just got to try and keep on going and trying to find your own sort of direction and I think you know that's kind of where I am at the minute is always on the lookout for new opportunities always looking out for ways to stimulate myself and use my expertise to support learners young people but also you know adults in education um you know as well so not long-winded but that's my journey so far so you were a teacher and you left teaching because during the pandemic you had all this opportunity to do online teaching and you thought well you know what actually there's a lot of flexibility here and so now you've left teaching and you're you've gone all the way around to going back as a consultant into school so it's interesting isn't it because I I was a teacher trained as a teacher didn't do teaching for very long and it was very hard <laughs> teaching is very hard and this does seem to be um a lot of teachers since the pandemic who've become tutors. And do you think that, do you think that it's primarily the flexibility? Do you think it's primarily the money or do you think it's primarily not having to teach in a school? I don't think it's the money as such, because if anybody who is also a, a tutor will tell you that, that what I was saying at the start about the transaction of time for money means that unless you have a business model that really flies and sometimes you're an agency you've got you know multi-tutors and there are all sorts of employability restrictions that have just come into force recently that makes that scaling really difficult for, for solopreneurs it, the money is not amazing it depends how you have what you do with your business model um so I don't think that going intuition intuition thinking it's a panacea financially is, is a way for anybody to approach it I think like with teaching or with any endeavor you have to have a purpose that drives you. And that purpose may well be because of 
the difficulty with teaching and people genuinely wanting to, 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 to get out of the classroom, but still be an educator at heart. And I think that that is a, that, that is really important. I think it's important that people ask themselves, why are they tutoring? And I speak to a lot of people that are new to it or considering it, but A, are scared in, in terms of the, the uncertainty that surrounds it. Educators are not business people. And there's a huge learning curve there to find out if you can be entrepreneurial, if you can work under your own steam beyond, you know, planning lessons and uh, managing departments. And also the other idea is not to be knee jerk about it because it won't work. Um, and there are a lot of positives about being in being a public servant, being a teacher um, in terms of being salaried, having a job that's consistent. Um, however, for, for I think for me, it's an attractive option because of the flexibility, but um, the, the tenacity and the hours that you need to be able to work are no different to teaching. In fact, I would say sometimes they're longer because I, I well, how do I switch off in my little cave here? And, and, and you know, and sort of my kids are teenagers and they're sort of downstairs in their own little, you know, bedroom postcodes doing whatever it is the teenagers do. And so it's easy enough for me to be up here working, particularly as I'm a, I'm a single parent as well. So other than my dog, there's not really much else that, that, that I could do. And it's very easy to fall into that idea of constantly working, but in a comfortable environment. And so the exhaustion of teaching, I really needed to leave the being in it for, for so long. I don't get that tightness in my chest to the same extent. I stress and I worry. But in terms of the physical stress of teaching, the, the, the myriad of energy demands and responsibility and emotional demands um, are just not there. And, I, and that is something I would really, I think, struggle to go back to. And when I do work directly with middle leaders and classroom teachers, I feel I feel their stress when I have my coaching conversations with them. I, I feel their worries and their demands. And it, it's it is really, really difficult to, to sort of witness that and be part of a of a even on the periphery of a, of a, of a system that really is not the one that I joined 20 years ago. Um, and, and that's, I think, what might be driving a lot of people to, to tutor, because I think if you're an educator, maybe like if you're a nurse or you're a doctor, you're driven by sort of a social um, compass or, you know, a moral desire to want to support, help, impart knowledge. You know, we're very kind of moral creatures, teachers. And I think to suddenly just leave that, it's never an easy decision. And it's one that you see people agonising about in online forums and, and listening probably to podcasts like this to try and get some sort of ideas about what are the routes for educators who still might want to be teachers in, in some form or be involved. I was wondering, because when I was teaching, I found it absolutely exhausting. It was by far the most tiring job I've ever had. I would come back in the evening and I would just be drained. And I would, I was not a born teacher and I would absolutely dread. <laughs> I would dread going in every morning. And ultimately that was why I left. I enjoyed teaching, but I didn't enjoy the teaching experience. And do you think there's an element of that, that when during COVID, teachers were able to have a sense of the pureness of teaching online without some of the exhaustion that comes from being in the school experience? Perhaps. I think it really does depend on the individual teacher's experience of the pandemic. I was working in an inner city school in Manchester at the time and, and also working in a special hospital school. 
And so the engagement online really was very, very low. Uh, and I think it depends if you worked in certain schools where you had probably more advantaged students, you might have had more of a, of, of a maybe a, a thrilling experience and an engaging experience with, with teaching online. Um, I think a lot of people might have valued the flexibility of it, being at home, being with family. And when other industries have gone back after the pandemic and hybrid working and online working is becoming the more the norm and that and the flexibility that that obviously affords people, teaching has gone back obviously to sit life sort of before the pandemic in, in as much as it is systemically it's had to. And I think there's a real tension there with people as, as well in terms of, I know people that, particularly young people, I feel like a relic at 45 now in schools. It's it's insane the way that the demographic shifted over the years. But there's people I know who are under 30 who are seeing what they're either their partners are doing or how their friends are working. Go, well, hang on, this isn't working for me. I can't live a life with my partner, with my friends that allows me to have that balance. And, and quite understandably, you know, to hate to put generation labels on but gen z and those early and those late and those sort of late millennial um, um you know youngsters are sort of demanding and wanting something different and you know they're voting with their feet as we can see by not being in the profession after five years and so what we then come back to is this systemic impotence as i call it where the the whole monolith of education it's just it's just impossible to move at the minute and and whereas others are more agile other other industries are more agile and they've responded to 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 the digital age that we're now in and the and obviously the the rapid catalyst that covid was with with getting us to that point and they can bob and weave and, and employees can move and i think my generation really still are hard workers like to be in the office i've got friends of mine who work in industries where they're like just get in we need we want to be in as well but we've got to work with the playing field that we're on and, and there's lots of different people with different needs and certainly as a single parent that was a huge driver for me to want to do what i do and be around my children because as you said it's exhausting i come home and i remember sort of five ten 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 years ago five years ago and thinking when my children were small still as a single parent going I'm done. I can't, you know, I can't give any more. I've got nothing to really, not nothing to give my own children, but I was exhausted mm. giving to other people's children, giving to my own children. And the cup was empty. And that was, they were tough, tough years. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, and the, as you said, there was a, a watershed moment for a lot of people to consider what their options were. I, like many, didn't want to go back to that. And so I started thinking about, my children are getting older. What happens when they leave home? What are my options? What can I do? And started to put in, I suppose, an exit strategy uh, to, to, to do something different of um, mainstream education and going part time as part of that. But then leaving altogether it was something that was always the plan. And I've gone through all of the guilt and the worry about that question that I imagine a lot of teachers have. If I'm not teaching my children, who is? you know children like mine and it is you know there are heartbreaking stories that I, that I read on Twitter and that I even see in my own children's school about supply teachers here there and everywhere as teachers are struggling and I went through a lot of that for, I'd probably say for a good 10-12 years before I actually did make the move I'd 
I'd jump a little bit from job to job looking for something different rather than admitting, I think, the fact that I think I was kind of done with being in the classroom. And it took me a while to realise I might be done with the classroom. I'm not sure I'm done with education. And it took me a while to sort of figure that out because, you know, that teaching is quite consuming and you don't sometimes get the headspace. And the pandemic, I suppose, afforded many of us that opportunity to, to do that, really. Would you say that there's, you mentioned that there's sort of um, younger teachers who are coming in or have been in teaching and they're looking at their their peers and their industries have adapted to post-pandemic life. They've added in some of that flexibility, work from home, things like that. And they're looking at their job as a teacher and say, well, why, why isn't this adapting? And obviously we all know, home educators more than anybody, what a monolith the education system is and how difficult it is to change. And so instead, these people have said, well, you know, if there's not going to be work from home options, then I'm going to become a tutor and I'm going to leave the business. Now, my question to you then is a large element of the school system. Now, bear in mind, I'm coming from a home educator's perspective. So obviously we're not anti-schools, but we have opted out of the system for reasons um, and all sorts of different reasons, depending on the people. But obviously an element of the school system is childcare you know, because parents need to work and they need their children to basically, I'm desperately trying to avoid using the term warehoused, because this is what home educators often say is that children are warehoused during the day. But it's this idea that they're, that childcare is important, you know, that, that the, it allows parents, it allows the economy to keep keep going, our beloved capitalist economy, it keeps, keeps it going, it allows the parents to work, and the children have childcare in the form of teachers. So how could that mesh with a more flexible, more fluid work from home kind of teaching approach that you you, you mentioned that not just you, but a lot of the younger teachers are, are looking at wanting and are looking at their peers having. I think a lot of it comes down to changing the way that, that schools and, and teaching is, is viewed. As you said, you know, the pandemic showed that a lot of people like, I mean, the pandemic is a bit of a more of a, an intense version of being at home obviously now it's different for those who've chosen to home educate and we've seen that there's a rise of that hasn't there because of the pandemic and I do teach home educated um, students um, as well and excuse me I think it depends how you view education you use this term like childcare, and I think that's how it was seen in the pandemic like we need (laughs) to get my kids out the door so I can get on with my with my work and my life that provides what we need for the for, for, for you know for a family and I think it depends how you view school like that. And if it is just then relegated to being a little bit of childcare, and you know, it then loses its sense of importance. And teachers are so much more than than that. And so, you know, education in itself needs to be rethought of then, because if that's all that many parents see it as, as the warehousing of children, so that we can move on, then school becomes obsolete in terms of what it. Of, of what essentially a lot of teachers would like it to be which is you know standing and learning with young people and helping them to navigate the world ahead and to, to give them the knowledge um, and the skills and the confidence to be able to to do that and I'm not even mentioning exams there because I think that that is a completely other kind of worms that needs to be talked about another time but for me as a teacher the interesting, I think I saw something online about this, like what would you tell, what is the difference between your finding as a teacher in your 40s compared to when you started in your 20s? And mine is now, and that's irrespective of the time period that's lapsed, is teaching is not about exams. It's about how do we prepare the gen, our next generation for the world that they're going into? And as this world now 
it's unlike the world that I was in in the 90s and the 80s at school and same with you our school system is not in its warehousing form that it is it's not actually even doing that well anymore so I think we need to sort of reevaluate not just what schooling does but it sounds like there's a there's, there is a an imperative incumbent upon businesses and society and uh, you know working in general to weave in and out of educate of educating young people like that and to sort of help families to become a little bit more fluid in how they how they manage their childcare um and you see a lot of educators a lot of young people can do it at home i was just I mentioned it before we came on um, line that I've just been teaching um, an A-level student in um, an eighteen-year-old in Spain. She's British, but she um, she's home educated, and her parents move around a lot, and, and it, it kind of suits their family dynamic. And they've obviously chosen to do that before the pandemic kind of opened people's eyes to being able to do that. And I think we need to look at how the working world needs to adapt to make schooling. A little bit more flexible and as you said not just the warehousing of, of of young people and i think one of the reasons why strikes and you know education has been underfunded for years is because that view of, of education has become really quite reductive um, and how do we make education more doable so it's beyond just warehousing young people um regardless of their background I think one thing that is really interesting is that there's no doubt that the education system hasn't changed for many years and society is changing and very rapidly and and partly society always goes through these periods of of sort of revolution and then and then nothing. I think it was Thomas Kuhn or somebody who's, who who sort of came up with that cyclical revolutionary idea. And there's no doubt that we're currently in one <laughs> because the pandemic has kind of forced one. And the education system, along with the NHS, are, are these two big sort of government led um, organizations that are very slow to adapt. And so I'm guessing from your perspective, you just said, you know what, if you're not going to adapt quickly enough for me, I'm out. Now, you you mentioned that that took you a long time to come to that decision. And there was a lot of guilt and a lot of, I'm guessing, a lot of internal discussion about what works and what wouldn't work for you. But how did you, for any anyone who's listening, who's maybe a teacher and is thinking about moving into tutoring or just started as a tutor, perhaps, or perhaps doing part time, as you mentioned, are there any uh, any any sort of words of reassurance that you could give them about that decision? Because it is such a big move, isn't it, from the school system where it's this salaried job, you know, job for life kind of idea, and and also there's a there's a real um, uh, comradeship between teachers, isn't there? I mean, I know when I briefly taught that, you know, real ascent. Obviously, there's always a few teachers in the staff room who are sort of, you know, people don't go up to because they're a bit grumpy. But generally, you know, teachers are, are a very nice bunch and they get on very well. So you have that sense of being in a community and doing something that matters. And was that a difficult move? And do you have any words of reassurance to teachers that might be thinking of moving into tutoring? This was ultimately the final decision that I made when I was, as you said, had the internal dialogue, umming and ahhing about it. Still, things like teaching. One of my best friends is a nurse, and 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 we, she was had been in a similar position about struggling internally with how she carries on. It's one thing about teaching; it's always there. And I thought, what is the worst? I asked myself, what is the worst that could happen? I go back in the classroom. 
is still, you know, a, a well-paid job compared to a lot of other professions uh, and jobs. And I thought, well, I'll just, and even though next year, some of my consultancy work isn't firmed up, I, you know, I've gone around the house, going, what do I do? And I thought, well, if the worst, you know, comes to the worst and it's not the worst, so I can supply, I can get part something part-time. And I think that is the key thing is to um, look at what your bottom line is. What is it that I need to, to, to survive? And I think because of teaching has become something that, you almost you take that salary for granted and we live in and we live in a maybe a, a prospect where people aren't always perhaps budgeting and worrying about where this comes and that comes that's been a really new thing for me is to think about for example if my consultancy doesn't pick up for next year what have I earned this year what salary have I given myself can have I got a cushion for next year what what is next year looking like and it's a very different way of of viewing your life when you are the sole provider of what you earn and it's not coming in at form of a salary every month so I think there's a bit of a mindset shift that perhaps teachers need to think about in terms of okay what do I need to survive on if I do that what can I cut back on what is it that I need to do to make sure that I can leave the job if and have it as I said have an exit strategy I had that my exit strategy at the minute it might be in might be an entry strategy again if I have to go back in but it was always based on that and that actually made the teaching easier for me knowing that I had a plan and I felt like I was in control of what I was doing and it is often hard because as I know with some of my ex-colleagues still how do you get the brain space and even think about doing that you know and, and keep coming off the treadmill for five minutes to think about what my future might look like but it was always I'll just go back in and, and in terms of your second point about missing the staff room Yes, but there are so many connections online and networks online that, that I have made with fellow tutors, uh, fellow educators, fellow consultants that are actually probably more inspirational than a lot of the teachers I work with, purely because the, the wide variety of endeavours that they're doing within education and, and, and the passion that they have, that sadly in education is a little bit lacking at the minute because of things like the overworked, underpaid um sort of quite negative vibes, if you like, that, that appear to be circulating around schools at the minute. Um, and so I, I find that the virtual staff room, if you like, around with other educators is 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 really, really inspiring and seeing what other people intuition are doing, see another subject, seeing what other educators are doing with their expertise and knowing that in that sense, again, the, the sky's the limit in terms of, well, what can I bring to that space? And having the confidence to to feel that you can you can do that, which unfortunately for a lot of teachers is not the case. It is a confidence and a, a an entrapment, <laughs> excuse me, idea. And and I think certainly with people that have been doing tuition and home education for a long time, there's a there's a certain comfort that they can provide. And uh, you know that not this isn't really for me. It's for people like yourselves who have been home educating for a long time. Like this is the groundswell. This is the thing that you've always realised and that pandemics offered you almost like an explosion in opportunities to grow what what, what you also, what you've already gotten. And I, I am really enjoying getting to know more home educators and seeing the more myriad of people that are entertaining it um, and wanting to do it. And as an aside, if I could do it, particularly with my son in year eight, I would do it in a heartbeat. And one of my, one, a really good friend of mine did it with her children. And I just think that the world that our young people are going into what self-motivating element and 
design, you know, sort of designing your own your own time and how you learn. I think that's going to have far more benefit for the world that young people are going into than being at school, personally. And that's having seen, you know, being somebody that's been in that, uh, you know, that that warehouse, if you like, for 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 years. I'd I'd say, God, if people can do it and they can manage it. Um, and they can alter their own lives around it as, as parents and they can afford to do it. I'd be like, I would love to put my son in that in that scenario where he can educate himself or be stimulated to do things by himself. As I saw with the A-level student I was just talking about that I had before this session, um, our, our chat now, she's turned around some A-level coursework in three weeks, doing it all herself, talking with me. It's very much been a, you know, a self-motivated um, element that she's done and she's not been phased by it whereas that, students that I see would at school would take months is that the main difference you find between teaching home educated students and teaching in a school is that sort of um autonomous uh, self-motivated learning yeah or are there other differences as well there are some but I would say the level of engagement and uh self-efficacy that that home educated learners have is the key marker of, of difference between them and those that you see at school that are just sort of ragged along as little unwilling almost automons into um you know into the into classroom learning. The level of engagement is down across the country in all schools, not just necessarily like the inner city schools, you know, even in 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 sort of traditionally middle class schools. You know, my my children don't like school. I'm quite happy to sort of say that. Um they, you know, they've got a mother is who's an educator we've got a nice life and I support them as well as I can and but they don't you know particularly my son he's very bright he's 13 and he he doesn't see the relevance of it in terms of the world that he lives in and the world that he's going into and I think there is that disconnect now between what school used to provide and its relationship with wider society and what it is now as you said society is moving on we're in that massive state of change that's why things feel really uncertain and unsettling for a lot of people school keeps plowing on through the icebergs and it's not and it's not working and I think you know those that I do see and one of the things I love about home educating learners as opposed to those that I have after school who are still engaged in a way but a lot of it's very exam focused is that they, they they want to do things under their own steam and I can have a conversation with them and say, and what I love is that I can bring 20 years of teaching English to going, oh gosh, I can I can create something completely different here that builds on expertise. And it's not just about the exam factory of, of getting learners through. So this is how you approach this question. This is how you approach that. It's like, well, let's look at some skills. Let's look at how we love learning and let's give you something to go away and do and come back. And that is just revolutionary for, for young people's learning and their ability then to manage themselves in an environment, a working environment that's going to be a lot more like that than like school. You've, I've got to be incredibly self-motivated and self-directed to do what I do. God, I find that harsh. <laughs> well, I, I come from a world where that was never the case. And so to be that sense of self-efficacy, that sense of self-motivation, that sense of intrinsic drive, we've lost that in, in, in schools for a lot, a lot of young people. Home educators, they've, you know, they're doing so many more different complex le learning sort of, you know, opportunities and, and approaches that I think are going to make it fantastic 
for, for them in their out and their outcomes in life. And I think that, you know, there's a lot to be learned from that approach. How that can translate into schools is just, it's huge, isn't it? It's huge. It is. And I've got so many ideas about ways you can transform the school system, but unfortunately no no one in charge seems to have any of the same ideas so yeah, they don't. I know. so when it comes to um maybe a teacher who's just starting out in tutoring are there any tips you would give them about uh, you know maybe I don't know niching down or in person versus online or marketing or anything like that you mentioned that you sort of asked yourself, what can I bring to tuition? And I'm guessing that's a key element, you know, like what your unique selling point is, that kind of thing. Try and be too broad. I think look at what's, what makes you successful in education at the minute, whatever, whatever circle you're in. Is it that you are a great pastorally? Is that your role? Are you a great coach and motivator and and somebody who really supports people that could be the way that you you go in there's a tutor I know that supports people's sort of mental health with what she does and how people can approach you know managing their educational experience as somebody I know who's not been a teacher but it's such a really focused sort of comes from a really focused business background and then has modeled her business around study skills and motivation skills and how you can approach your edu- you know your studies and your exam performance through a, a study pack lens if you like and so I think it's about working out for yourself what are your what that is that they see these Venn diagrams don't you on, on online about what you're good at what makes money what helps people and the magic sort of in the middle and it's having that conversation with yourself and even with others and saying what is it that I'm good at what do you think I'm good at what gets me up in the morning what might help people and starting small with with that, I mean, I found that my came, mine came from people traditionally just wanting a little bit of support with GCSE, tuition. Um, that's kind of how it started because I have been an examiner. I have led departments. And so in terms of A-level and GCSE, that was kind of, that's kind of been where my expertise has been. Um, and so that's kind of where I've kind of found the majority of my students have come from. However, what I have really what I have really enjoyed is and what I found that I'm good at is the relationship aspect of with a student, particularly online, and being able to talk to them and, and, and find ways of finding out, particularly home educated learners, what is it that you like? What do you want to, and then using my creativity, that's one thing I've found that I'm really good at. That I knew I was at school, but again, I was so confined within the curriculum, is creating learning materials that are academically challenging, but at the same time creative um and and enjoying doing that and using various aspects of ed tech or online tech to do that that I would probably I certainly wouldn't do in the the classroom and fusing some elements of what I have done in teaching and all of the the rigor and all of the sort of science behind creating engaging learning activities those things that really come from being a, a qualified teacher that I think have made me better as an online as an online tutor so I think it's asking yourself, what am I good at? What do I like doing? What do I not mind spending two hours on and not really realizing I've spent two hours on it? And putting that out to market and thinking about, do people want this? Asking friends questions, doing a little bit of research as well on, on, you know, and talking to other tutors. That was a great thing for me. 
looking at people who are already where I want to be. Have they got there? What have they done? Um, and in my early sort of days of dipping my toe into online tutoring, have they done that? What, what do you do with your groups? How do you do teach online? What do you charge? How do you make that work for you? Um, right down to how do you manage your days? How do you market? And speaking to a few tutor coaches has been really useful for that as well, who certainly help help me with the business aspect of it. The you know sort of how to run all of this. The teaching I can do, and I can go on. I can teach you know A level and GCSE, key history students, any aspect of the curriculum. And what I love is I can create certain things. I'm very creative with my pedagogy and my knowledge. But then it was like, how do I make this into something that keeps the lights on and, and helps me to sort of keep going and keep getting the students? And that's where I needed a little bit of help and still do, um, you know, and looking at still at people who are successful, uh, who are, again, ahead of where I want to be. How do you do that? Um, and that, that's been really, really useful. And that'd be something I'd say that if you are keen on dipping your toe into doing something slightly different with education, it is find people that are already there ask them how do they do it they'll probably tell you that it's not as successful as you know nothing is you know it might look great online but they'll, they'll be able to give you you know the warts and all version of how how they're doing and how they've got to where they are and hopefully along the way you can learn something from that that you can apply to your journey as well you mentioned that you take you take a lot of effort to tailor the lessons to what the child is interested in and as a parent who's employed tutors the one thing that's guaranteed for me not to re-employ a tutor if you see what I mean is when they just deliver their classroom lesson over zoom to my child <laughs> which I have had and it's very annoying um, and obviously as a as a parent I sit there for the first few to see what you know to see what sort of lesson they're getting and I think one thing I would say for any parents listening is that if you if you are employing a tutor, don't forget that you're paying the money and it should be, you know, working. Don't don't be scared to say, Do you know what, this isn't for me, I'm not carrying on or or can you adapt it and change these things? And I think that's one thing that's very important. You mentioned that you can uh, that when you approach some tutors who are like uh, where you want to be. And then when you speak to them, they give you that kind of warts and all version. And it's maybe not all that it seems. And I think that's always the case, isn't it? There's a certain curation of, of what you see. And one thing I wanted to ask you is that when people come on Homeschooling UK, which is a very big group, and they ask for tutors, um, there's a lot of people who reply, like a lot. <laughs> and it makes me think, do they have a lot of gaps in their day because um I I work as a life coach and I'm full up and I'm invariably full up and so people come on and ask for a life coach and I don't say anything because I actually can't do anything because I'm full up and is it that um you think that it takes a long time to build up a tutor business and these people are maybe earlier in the journey and so haven't filled because all the all the tutors I know who I use, they're full up too. <laughs> and I have to book them like really a long way in advance. So is there an element that perhaps these, these tutors may just be very early in the process? Or do you think there's an element of them taking on lots of tutees? Or what do you think is going on there with these people that, I mean, you've probably seen them yourself in the group. They come on and they're like, me, 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 I can do it. <laughs> I think sometimes because of talking about the financial aspect of it, it's about transacting your time for money. And I think 
because a lot of educators are not business people. They come and say, I can do it, I can do it. And they might want to fill up every conceivable hour that they have. And in that sense, then I would I would worry about the quality of, of what they are offering. A good, a good, uh, any good business person or whether an educator or not has to plan their time accordingly. I could always fit more people into my days. Like, for example, now this is an hour I'm talking to you when I could be teaching. But what I want to do is to make sure that I plan that time and I guard some of that time jealously. As we were talking about earlier the, at the, earlier in the session, I was like, when do you switch off? When do you not? And I think part of what I like doing is making sure that I plan sessions thoroughly and I devote time to that. And I don't I don't oversell myself. I don't overcommit to things because I think, you know, so to that idea, as you're saying, that constant availability, like I'm free, I'm free. There are there, there should quite rightly be some alarm bells ringing, you know, know your worth, know what you're prepared to, 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 to put forward. And it's the same with pricing. When I see it, there's a, this again, there's, we're swamped with tutors coming in. And I'm not necessarily saying that qualified teachers are, are, are the best people out there to tutor. It's a very, very different relationship. Certainly, as I said, the, the training and the pedagogy and, and the knowledge of how young of how the brain learns certainly is a great thing that, that teachers can provide. But and the knowledge of the specifications and things, which is quite helpful, particularly for home educators who maybe yeah. don't know. But, mm. Certainly. And, and I think perhaps sometimes teachers don't necessarily come at it with home educators in the right way, because home educators look at something very different than your traditional parent. And I think that that is something that I've learned um, in, in my couple of years as well. Um, it's trying to have, you know, you've got two clients, you've got the student in front of you, you've got the parent, and you've got to speak to both. And I think, you know, teachers don't necessarily do that, the, the latter one well, the parent well, because we're just used to seeing them at parents' evenings and uh, they're gatekeepers. We take them in, we teach them. And I think, you know, people are home educating for a reason and they are far more involved and they want to really get that balance right. So I would be wary of people who are constantly saying, I can fill my time with them. These people that have these glossy, really, really busy, um, I'm always skeptical of these really, really busy online flyers that they just pitch in the group and saying, I can provide this for five pounds a session. I'm like, how are you a doing that unless you are and i spoke to one tutor about this they substitute that perhaps with resources that they might sell if somebody's charging five pounds an hour for something unless they're doing something at scale i'd be very wary because i'm not cheap but i know my worth and i know my background and i know what i can do and i would say that you know it, it shouldn't be a race to the bottom sometimes with, with tuition and i appreciate that for home education the price the, the price um bracket is different than it is say for traditional this is what you need to get to gcc and a level these are the expertise that you need this is what you need to do um, and that is a very very different level of planning that requires an expertise that is very different but at the same time home educators still want to go on a, a progressive learning journey and what i find is that as somebody who browses as, a, as, a, as an educator as well i'm more persuaded by the journey that somebody says that, that they can provide your child, the learning journey, the progress, the outcomes, not in terms of a traditional, um, you know, grade, but what skills and knowledge are we going to be learning? One thing I struggle with with a lot of tutors is they, they tutor from lesson to lesson. Um, how, did, how do you plan almost like what we call traditionally scheme of learning? What, where am I going to take your, your, your child from? And two, how is that going to fit into... You know, we still need to keep one eye on the end product. They still have to do GCCs. They still have to do um, A-levels as such as it stands. 
And so how am I fitting in with that knowledge of the national curriculum and, and the skills that whether we like it or not, the national curriculum still give us skills that we want our student, our, you know, young people to have in many respects. So I, I'm more interested in the learning journey than the glossy flyer. Like I can provide this for five for five pounds an hour or I've got this space. I'd want to have a chat with a with a, a tutor about those questions I would want a parent to ask. So what skills are involved? What are you going to do with my my child? How are you going to engage them? Um, what, what do you, you know, if I, if I pay for a six week block, what are they are going to be getting by the, the end of it? How are they going to be moving forward in their learning, whether it be academic or whether it be engagement? You know, being being an educator is is about having a, a journey as well and, and a plan of progression. And that's what learning is all about, is about students being able to see themselves learning and building and enjoying what they're doing, um, rather than just filling an empty vessel sort of every week with something that seems cheap and disjointed. Um, my experience of doing some tutor and teacher training is teaching tutors how to do that, how to provide, for want of a better phrase, a course, how do I provide some learning that, that, that students feel that they're progressing, they're getting something out of week in, week out, and they can see that, oh, next week we'll be doing this and it's going to build on this. Or you're going to come and present this to me because that's part of, you know, the, the grand plan that I have that I've communicated to a parent. So buy in, I would say to parents, buy into that. And as you said, sit in with them. You're paying for it. I'm staggered. I mean, because I've come recommended from a lot of parents and I have got qualified teacher status, and um, a lot of them are just happy for me to go with it. Whereas, you know, sometimes I've with the home educated parents, I've had some great conversations about what is it you want, right? So you don't want that. I'll often say, what do you not want rather than what do you do want? I don't want it to be an automated <laughs> rehash of a of a lesson, as you're saying. I don't want it to look like this, right? And having that dialogue, I would, you know, I give free 20 minute consultations for a um for a parent that wants to come on and just have a chat and thinking about tutoring till if you're home ed it's like it's like you're jumping off a cliff with your with your children going i know i want to do this i'm not quite sure how i want to make sure i get the right people you know if people say they're free i'd be like free for a conversation yes and then mm. work out am i right for you are you right for me and then that's the best place to start um i would say rather than Here's a fancy flyer I can do, you know, writing for five pounds an hour. I'm like, what, what, what does that, you know, what does that look like? Um, One thing I would say as well from, from a home educating parent perspective is that I think, I think it's much better to have a good tutor twice a month than a bad tutor weekly. Because as a home educator, you're, you're fairly used to sort of being more involved with your child's workload. So for me, I have a couple of what I consider to be very expensive tutors and I just use them less often and then in between it I say just set me a bit more work and we'll do it yeah. I'll do it with my child and, and that works out really cost efficient for me but also they're getting really high tuition every couple of weeks so in actual fact I'd much rather have somebody that charges 60 pounds an hour you know once every say three weeks than somebody who charges five pound an hour every week because five pound an hour I mean what are you going to get really <laughs> sixty pounds as well. Absolutely right. Is that holistic two week experience that they're getting that comes from somebody who is a skilled educator? So you you know you almost facilitate the knowledge and you say right, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like to spend half an hour on this. Think about doing this. How do and then almost I have a conversation with them about how do you want to take this forward? Then this is my idea. This is what I'd like. You know, like with the A level student today, obviously it's a lot more exams focused. 
but I'm saying we need to think about running the race now and thinking about now we've start now we've planned this lesson together plan this lesson plan this essay together you know what what do you what would you like to do before our next session how do you think you want to plan it and then we can say yeah and then I might they might say well I need to plan this yes break it down try this because I know you like working diagrammatically should we try it this way and then I help to give them a plan of action if you like that's tight but loose so they can go away and do that and then I say check in with me next week send me anything that you want me to have a look at and so if you are charging as you said if somebody is charging 60 pounds for that it's not that hour it's yeah, the exactly. two weeks of supported learning from the wings that you are providing for that family and actually I think that's really important for the home educated parents as well to have that crutch to go oh yeah I really enjoy what you're doing there yeah do you remember Andrea said this and we can do that and then you can report back after a week and go, I didn't really like that. I didn't really get that activity. And then, my, you know, part of what I would be doing is part of that £60 an hour. Go, okay, hang on, stay with me. I'll go back. I'll rehash or come back with something else. So I think it's the agility that you pay for uh, and, and the holistic experience of maybe a couple of weeks gap than let's practice sentence right for £5 an hour or, let, or let's, yeah, exactly. let's do some, you know, let's plan a story. That, that Those big, huge, they don't, in my opinion, I don't think there's much learning that's happening there, not just from an academic perspective, but from a, as you were saying, a self-efficacy work with the child and with the parent that helps them to get from A to B over two weeks, that they're going to learn so much more about themselves and the subject they're doing in that time. But then there's not, as you said, there's not one way to skin a cat with home education. Some people like, I've got one student in Singapore who likes that regularity. And the mum wants me online quite a lot with their with with their student to help them support that and is very specific about what they would like. And I think a good educator can bob and weave between between the two. And I think that again, that's where the conversation comes with the with the parent. What is it you want out of your home education experience? Rather than the teacher saying, This is what I think I can do. And this is, you know, and so you might have that conversation with me and think, don't like this person way too prescriptive not for me thanks very much um or I'll give it a go and then go this isn't for me and if you're a good educator you know you don't take it personally I've had learners that have started with me who've gone yeah and you know particularly an A-level student and A-level is my specialism as well and I was I remember at a time going don't they want to be with me these people do <laughs> but it's not for everyone and I think that that's you know that's the idea is about being humble with your craft as well and thinking this might not be for you, but we'll, you know, we'll give it a go. Is there an element of, of needing to get feedback as well? So maybe if there's tutors listening and they're finding that people, their tutees are dropping out, is, is there an element of sort of asking for feedback, sort of saying what didn't work for you and then being adaptable and changing? Regardless of what you're doing, when you're in a customer facing client facing role with things like that in any industry you want feedback and you want it to be consistent and and continual I'm constantly I you know I often say to parents in the emails that I send you know whether it be half termly or to whatever they want how are you getting on it's great to know what you're doing how's you you know how are you finding it what's your what's your child saying when you know when they end the call are they happy and not just for a review perspective, because sometimes it's great then because someone will say something and I'll go, can I have that for a review? But they'll just say they're liking this, but they're, they're not particularly liking that aspect. And I'll go, right, how can I fit that in? And I just think rather than feedback, I think it's dialogue. 
Mm. If you're going to have a really successful, particularly with home education, the longer, sometimes it can be longer stints that you have with them. And if you want to take them on a, a journey, like I'm with this, this uh, Singaporean student that I've got, is that, you know, I've had her since year six. She's now going, going to be in year eight soon. And it's going to be a journey that I'm, that I'm on with her. And the same with a couple of the A-level learners as well. Um, it's having that dialogue. And then they can come back and say, well, I actually want them to enter this competition or I want them to do that. Can you can you help me with that? And I'll go, absolutely. Let's down tools. Let's put that to one side. Let's think about how we can fuse what we're doing, what we've already learned with this. And in that sense, it's it, it's about how organized and how it is, how involved is your tutor as well in, in, in that journey? Um, because it's it, it's always it's always different, I think. As a home educating parent, one one thing I would say, which follows on very much from what you said, is that home educators do like feedback from tutors. And I've I've had a couple of times when I've actually had to mail the tutor and say, look, I want I want weekly, <laughs> I want weekly feedback. I want to know what's happening. I want to know where we are. I want to know that we're up to date. I want to I want to see where we are on the big plan. I want to see where we're on the little plan. And I think that um, and they're very good. As soon as they realize that they're like, oh, OK, so she she wants sort of like a lot of feedback. And they're very good about that. And I think home educating parents in particular do like to have that kind of dialogue. They do like to sort of know what's happening, know why it's happening, know what worked, know what didn't work. And also one thing I found from tutors that I think are very successful tutors in home education is they have a very broad approach to the subject. So for example, my son has a physics tutor who he's had since he was 14 and is now doing A-level with. And she is you know, always very full up and she's she specializes in the home education sector. And she's always sending him links for things. She's saying, oh, did you see this article? There's workshops that she sends him links to. You know, she's all she's saying, oh, I'll give you references for this if you want to apply to do this sort of, um, you know, sort of taste a week. She's very, very proactive about that kind of thing. And I really appreciate that as a parent, even if 80 percent of the things he says, no, he doesn't want to do because he's a teenager and he has the right to do that. But it's so lovely for me as a parent to feel that she is really invested in the process. And I think that's one thing that as home educators, we like and, and to a degree expect from our tutors. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Because in a way, you are kind of the, the, the checking, the way I look at it is from, with a teacher hat on, you're kind of the, the line manager that we don't have. I mean, if I'm, if I'm in a school, my, you know, my line manager, or if I'm a line manager, I'm checking well, kind of how is that student progressing? What are you doing for that? How are you, you know, we have these interventions. What are you doing with those? They're not progressing as well as we thought. What, what things are you putting in place to support them? And obviously that's a little bit more professionally focused, but that, that's what the parent wants. How, how are they progressing? And so sometimes the best teachers are putting those intervention ideas in place before the checking comes, because you're constantly thinking about, okay, well, they've plateaued a little bit. I need to help them over there. And when you've got a class of 30 learners, that's what we're doing. It's called adaptive teaching. And so it's no different as a, a I think if you're a tutor of a home educated student, it's just your adaptive teaching is just, as you said, slightly different. You're offering them things proactively, supporting their holistic learning journey rather than just, here I am for an hour, let's do this, let's go away. Um, and that's a bit more, that is, the, I think, the big difference between traditional exam-based tuition that I, you know, that I do after school and the tuition that I might do during during the day is that, you know, it's a little bit more, things change and you need to, I mean, one of the, another thing coming back to like, if people are always free, always, you know, I'm free to do this and do that. 
I have as well home educators that need a little bit of flexibility within their tuition schedule because, oh, they've got this, this great thing has come up with a group that we want to take them to do. And you don't want to be hit with a, you know, a bill because they can't make, can you give us a, you know, next week, have you got a bit of time? Can we bob and weave and do it at another time? And I think you've got to have a willingness as somebody who's tutoring to, as much as you're in it for the flexibility, you have to provide that flexibility for 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 those who are not in school so that they feel that you're listening to them um, uh, as well so that they can do that and I think that's vital to have a to have that good relationship I just essentially think from what I'm learning about home education is the creativity and the agility and the flexibility is needs to be and that dialogue needs to be front and center as well as the learning as opposed to tutoring people who are going for an exam that turn up every week and it's right, right, this week we're going to do this question because last week we did that. And this week we're going to focus on this particular, right? You had an essay back. What does it say? Right, I'm going to focus on how to create, how to craft this better, different. And um, I think that, you know, that's what's, again, great about tutoring is, is the different maybe ways that you can approach it. Um, and I think sometimes if you do come from a teaching background, perhaps that doesn't translate as well. People think that they can just go to working during the day. Oh, I can do this. This is great. I think it's, a, you know, I've found that's been the steepest learning curve for me is my approach to teaching home-educated young people and dealing with their parents and having those relationships is being where I've learned the most as an educator versus planning things online for, you know, for, for my traditional cohort of, ex, you know, of school-based children I think one thing if you're if you're a teacher who's going into tutoring who perhaps doesn't want super flexibility and and wants you know wants this sort of weekly regularity of of delivering a certain syllabus and that kind of thing that I think perhaps the opportunity then is to do classwork isn't it so you you know you sort of offer a year GCSE and you say okay every Monday at 10 a.m a group of however many people sign up eight or nine will come and we'll have two lessons a week at this time we'll be covering the syllabus at the end of it they'll be ready for their GCSE and I'll send out the recording if you miss it and that I suppose allows then tutors that maybe don't want to have that very bouncy flexibility of one-to-one and then they but they can still move into tutoring in in that way yeah and I think what you have to do there is be a lot more focused and regimented about what you offer and how you offer it um, and be a lot more skilled in offering the blended learning options and, and crafting a course. And that is hard to do unless you've got that experience as somebody who has crafted a, what we call a programme of study as a um, as a teacher. That's where I would personally probably want someone who has been a teacher. I can plan a GCSE programme without a problem, an A-level programme without a problem. But that takes time. And so what you'd have to pay for, you know, you're paying for a course as such there and you're paying for the time that that offers similar to what an online school would provide. So you're going in and you're trusting an educator to deliver, you know, GCC English language in a year, which is doable if you've got focus, young people, by the way, with the English language particularly. Um, and so I think, you've, you know, you've really got to, I would say, dissect forensically what is that course offering? What qualifications have you got to deliver that? What have been your outcomes in the past from doing this sort of thing? And not being afraid to ask for results, because even though it's not an, an exact science, you know, that there's not, you know, my students 
generally do do well and they do improve on their grade year on year. Um, but I was mortified one year, one student last year didn't, um, but I was only seeing him once a week and he was at school. And so there are all sorts of mitigating factors with that. But I would say 99% of my of students do do better due to tuition with me for a whole myriad of reasons than they would if they were just still at school. But when it comes to GCSE course that you're following as a home educator, you really want to, you, you are solely almost responsible then for, for, for getting them to that grade. And I think that requires a very different kind of perspective and planning. And one that I think if you're coming straight from the classroom, I would say you would need time to do. It's something that I want to do and I want to diversify into now and plan GCSE um, courses and A-level courses for home educators. But that's because I've spent two years teaching online in a variety of different ways um, with my knowledge of the syllabus as I know it. It's laser sharp. Now I'm going, how can I, how can I bring my laser sharp practice and experience as an educator, my experience as a tutor, and create the magic, if you like, for that. And I think that that's, you've got to be really careful about, I think, who you choose to to do that as opposed I to... I think there's always an element as well of looking for reviews and asking other home educators who they recommend. And again, that, that will take time to build up your reputation there. One thing about of obviously offering a course is that it would be to a specific specification. Would you recommend for new tutors that they focus on their one particular subject? Would you recommend they focus on a particular specification? So for example, you you do English, English, I'm guessing you do English language, English literature, I'm guessing you do all the specifications, because obviously home educators, we tend to teach, we tend to, our, our children tend to sit different specifications than schooled children. So would you say that it it's useful to niche down to very specific specifications or, or do you think there's um, benefit to being quite broad when you're a one-to-one -one tutor? It's the latter because if you're a great educator and you've got the experience, that ultimately knowing the, all of the specifications and the overview of the GCC as I do, the assessment objectives are all the same. There are, you know, six, assessment objectives regardless of which board you do educas aqa edexcel ocr um the igcc is slightly different but, i was gonna um, say Cam cambridge is different is it it is the igcc is different i've taught i've taught that extensively in um independent schools um in the past but essentially the skill even though that is a slightly different setup the assessment objectives are not massively different otherwise it wouldn't have that parity as a gcse so i would say that the knowledge of the specification is it obviously is important, but I think the knowledge of the overview of your teaching and what you know the skills are. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to teach Educas, as it was at Welsh Board, Edexcel, and AQA. And I think if you're a great educator, you can provide and adapt something for that particular um, specification quite not easily, but with skill. Um, if you have not had that broad experience that I've had in teaching a variety of specifications, then you can drill down onto the one that you know well, tends to be AQA for the majority of teachers, um, and work on being able to deliver something that you know you can get results out of because you have taught it before. Um, and I think, again, depending on your ex level of experience, you can discuss with the parent what the best option is for their for the um, young person. And that might actually come down to what the examination centre can provide that you are attached to. And so there are lots of mitigating factors, but um, 
I think if you're fairly new and your experience of specifications is limited, stick to what you know. It's a constant um, bane of the admin in Homeschooling UK that we get a lot of tutors advertising English language GCSE because obviously the like 99.9% of home educators do the IGCSE because it doesn't have a spoken component and there is and so I always I always sort of want to bang a drum and go yeah it's very nice but it's not the you know we don't we just don't really do that one in the home education sector although it is becoming slightly more accessible to us now because there's an exam center that allows you to do the spoken part. But as far as home, edu- home educators are concerned, IGCSEs invariably are the route that we go. And so I would say for any tutor who's looking specifically at the home education market, I think offering the IGCSE, particularly the Cambridge IGCSE, is a really good route because it's a nice, simple exam. It's very easy for home educators to sit. It's I want to say easy, but it's certainly easier in my experience than the Edexcel because it's a bit more common sense English as opposed to text analysis and that kind of thing. Um, you know, but I one thing... agree as somebody who's taught both. I didn't want to go down that route, but, I, I, you know, <laughs> sort of labelling them. But the IGCSE is more accessible. It generally gets better results. And if you don't want, like, the, you know, the mainstream sectors had to come away from that because of that very reason. But I think one of the reasons why a lot of, independent schools still use it is because it gets a result in a in in a sort of in a more not laid back but in a sort of a little bit more nuanced um sort of way it's a little bit more intuitive it's not as it's not as it doesn't drill down on specific skills that can sometimes make the domestic GCC a little bit dry yeah and Um, also it's a bit more applicable isn't it because you know it's like speech writing report writing things like that that actually might be rather than maybe analysis of a particular text which I always think is is a bit more literature it's sort of in my eyes one thing I would say as well as a as a parent looking at tutors and looking at what tutor I choose is I think it's very helpful if they offer different things so I don't mean different uh, subjects or different specifications but different services I mean I'm current my daughter's about to sit her English language her Cambridge English language in very soon in fact in about two three weeks and I'm currently using a tutor to mark some papers for her and she's very cheap <laughs> she marks these papers much cheaper than the big service called mark my papers which is very expensive now um she and she gives very nice feedback and it means that my daughter can sit a mock basically every week get feedback and we're doing we've been doing this um sort of uh sort of an ongoing process now for a few weeks and i didn't she offers it it's not very expensive and it, it if i was going to continue with a tutor if i had another child for example who was younger who wanted to do english i'd be much more inclined to go with her because i've already used her for little bits and pieces and it's a bit the same with Uh, tutors that offer maybe free webinars or you know uh, like resource sheets for free I I think that kind of thing really helps particularly in the home education market because we like to know what we're getting perhaps before we we launch and we're much less trusting than schooled parents when it comes to education I think that's because you've got far bigger pool to, to to come from and actually what you want is different what you want as a home educator is different than for maybe somebody else listening to this and I think absolutely whereas it's a bit more of a one size fits. It's a bit more of a predictable format that perhaps mainstream parents want. And I think also coming back to the questions you're asking about teachers going into tuition, what is it that they want to do? And I think diversifying like that is really important. I've offered, you know, as because I've been an examiner for um, domestic GCSEs, and so I've offered exam marking for um, students that just want, as you said, 
that every week or every other week, marking feedback. And I think actually, if you've got a tutor who can show their credentials like that and say, I have got experience doing this, you're going to get something, as you said, a little bit more bespoke and personal because you get things sent back in a different way than a conveyor belt, as you say, like marked by tutors, sort of thing that, that and it depends exactly what you're what you're looking for. And the same with free webinars. That's really important you know showcase what you can do there's webinars i've done with with other tutors about how to ace you know things like how to ace english language try and make it as specific as possible to what it is that you are providing and offering freebies on social media and i think it's interesting i put on my instagram the other day something that a tutor put up about vanity metrics for social media which is how so many of us pick up people that we want but also why tutors on there it's not about likes or engagement it's about what are you speaking to your student or as I said the parent as well what are you offering them that might support their young person and, and support what we want is which is the outcome of a, a well-educated happy um child and I think that's what in a way social media should should provide as well is because if that's where most of us are going for that are you seeing that oh I can mark or here's a free webinar or here's Here's a, you know, a worksheet that perhaps might work. And if somebody says, oh, I really like that. And then you think, well, let's have a chat with that person. And I think, you know, a way I'd steer up again, it comes back to those big glossy, I can provide this for five pounds. Don't go for the vanity metrics that look good. Look for what are they providing me and what am I, am I, am I young person? And is that clear? If it isn't, then maybe they're not the person for you, or maybe they're a teacher like me and they're just still feel, feeling their way in social media and saying, do I provide this, do I not? And and asking them for those, if they want, if they're good, they should be able to say, yep, I've got this resource, try that, I think that might work. Or let mm. me just create this for you and I'll send it to you, see what you think. Um, you know, I think the try before you buy is so important in a lot of industries, not just, a, a, especially in education. Get a flavour for what they're like if they offer a taster session or a free session, brilliant. If they don't do something like that, did they offer, you've got a little recording that you've done? Yes. Um, and, and if someone's saying, oh, I'm not going to do anything like that, then, then maybe they're not for you. That's, I think that's very helpful. And I think there's a certain empowerment when it, I think the more parents realize that they're able to ask these questions and they're able to expect these things that they can feel more empowered and more involved in their child's education journey, which is the whole point of home education. So I have, I have two final questions for you, a slightly tricky one and a very easy one. <laughs> so my slightly tricky one is what are the three things that you wish you'd known before sort of branching out into becoming a tutor, leaving, leaving teaching and becoming a tutor? How to be self-motivated and manage my time as a tutor, how to sit in my little cave, you can see here, I'm in like my little sort of loft cave, um, how to switch to that lifestyle that is a working style that is so different. Sat, and as much as people joke about the whole zoom meeting look where you're in your jammers underneath and you're doing this on top and you know i've got my i've got my dog asleep behind me those sorts of really romantic lovely flexible images do come with okay I, I need to switch off at some point i need to be able to manage my time and not just sort of be distracted the same things that might apply to people working at home in other industries do apply for people that are going to shift from that high octane fast pace moving from bell to bell lesson to lesson we have a very regimented life as an educator as a teacher i found that harder than i thought i would ever is the first first thing that i've struggled with and that's always taken me since i quit the classroom last year 
nearly a year to get comfortable with and to to, to be able to manage. Um, the second thing for people um, moving into um, tuition is, again, reach out, get support early on, speak to people who are where you want to be, learn from them, find out, oh, gosh, I really like what you're doing. Some people, some um, tutor coaches offer some fantastic sort of business development models where you can come in every week, you can speak to somebody um, and, you know, you can sort of join groups of, of, of tutors that are all trying to sort of find their way, um, particularly if they are um, teachers going into business. You need that support with with that aspect of going it alone. That'd be the second thing. Um, and the third idea is confidence and be creative. Um, I've not mentioned half the things really that that I do and that I offer. Sometimes they've been on the back of what you said, like, oh yeah, I do offer marketing. Oh yeah, I have done a <laughs> webinar. Oh yes, I am planning a course, a GCSE course. Um, and I think it is be creative. Um, don't kill yourself. Again, it comes back to point one, switch off. But you are out of the classroom now. So think about what is it that you do well? What is it that you want to do? And try and craft time into your days to not necessarily fill it with, I'm here for for um, a, a slot and think about what do I what kind of educator do I want to be how do I you know what do I want to to, to do um, and you know really spend time on yourself because you might be a bit bruised leaving um, education um, you know teachers are and I think it's giving yourself time to think about the kind of educator you want to be now on what you what you think you can can offer and I'm still humbled and massively surprised by people that say that webinar was amazing thank you and I'm just like well I'm just doing what I love doing and so I think it's you know diversify have a go because you just you know somebody somewhere may well really like and, and love what you're doing so don't shy you know shy away from it so yeah it would be confidence as well to sort of just be creative with what you're doing and and, and have you know faith in your own expertise I suppose. In home education we have a process called de-schooling which is when have you heard of it it's when you take yes. the child out and and both you and as a parent and also the child you take time and you just kind of try to it's almost like you shampoo out the school system and and approach education differently and it sounds to me like you're sort of saying that actually teachers when they when they become tutors sort of perhaps need to go through a de-schooling process as well. Absolutely and I don't think that necessarily means that you have to become something different I just think it's about finding that authentic sense of, of of who you are as an educator that might have been and I don't I don't think I'm saying I don't think I'm being over the top when I say traumatized a lot of people are leaving teaching with immense levels of trauma and and, and you know and their self-esteem and their uh, mental health is through the floor and I think you do need to use that uh, South Pacific says, I'm going to wash that man right out of it's like <laughs> I was that. thinking that as well. We're showing our age now. <laughs> I think we are. And I think it, a lot of it is about doing that as well. The de-schooling happens for educators as well. And, uh, you know, and I think parents, you know, you know, and it's a journey, I think, that that we're all going on when this home education community is somebody who sounds like, you know, you've been in it a long time, is seeing it just go with both educators, teachers coming in, um, you know uh, young people coming in from school and 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 having to just you know almost have some therapy to get out of that system in a way and I think that that's really important for, for for tutors teachers to do as well that's why I said start small start with what you know and then 
give yourself time to to grow and one good way of getting a lot of that back is having that as I said earlier that staff room coaching idea you know my door virtual door is always open to anybody that wants to have a chat with me be even a home educator like I don't really know where to go next with teaching what would you teaching my young person English or what is it that you you, you might recommend knowing that there is no obligation just because you talk to me that I'm going to say well can we do my course or do <laughs> I think it's see educators as well need to have that opportunity just put your hand up and say can I have a chat about this and I think that that's that's really important for for, for teachers crossing crossing out of, of teaching I think that leads me really nicely onto my my final question which is the easy one which is where can any of our listeners find you if they want to get in touch maybe they're home educating and they're a bit stuck on English or maybe maybe they're teachers who are wanting to move into becoming a tutor or maybe they're already a tutor and are looking to sort of branch more into the home education sector where can any of our listeners find you on social media or websites or whatever the website one is a good question and that that's been in construction for about a year just purely because of what I was saying earlier about how do you find the time as a solopreneur to do it all but it is something that is coming so the website will be there but my business name is Hope Tuition Clinic and the reason it's called and it's the, the education business is hope learning and the reason I've got hope in there is because it is about trying to give hope to young people who might feel necessarily not getting it from school in whatever way and the reason I call it a clinic is because traditionally I would want the tuition to be something that they that supports them for a while. They come in, they get the, you know, they get the things that they need and then they 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 leave and go on to better things. So the idea of hope learning is twofold then. For students, you can get me at Hope Tuition Clinic on Facebook and on Instagram. And I'm on LinkedIn as Andrea Gadsby, and I pop a lot of professional contacts on there and some of the people that I've actually home educated have been parents bizarrely in, in LinkedIn that have found me um but the other part of hope learning is going to be um building um tuition training because a lot of that has been my background in in, in teachers is as I said with my consultancy is still being in schools doing helping educators to become better at what they do so whether it be a phase change and you want to come in and you want to learn how to tutor for GCSE that will probably be that's going to be my mainstay of what I try and do is is support tutors with how to how to teach that. Um, and then the other side, obviously, is Hope Tuition Clinic is my bread and butter that I love, which is tutoring people um, from, you know, age 10, really 10, year six, all the way through to a level. But predominantly with, you know, getting um, helping students to achieve what they can at GCSE and a level. So. And as I said to you, I'm, I'm working on a tuition package for tutors to upskill. And also I'm working on providing a, a GCSE and A-level package for, uh, for for young people coming through, wanting to do um, English language and English literature. As I hate the fact that the uptake at A-level is dropping off. And I just think it's such a facilitative subject. And I think it lends itself really well to being uh, for home education English because it just covers the myriad of who we are as humans through the medium of literature and language and so um I'll get off my little um English soapbox <laughs> but that's where you can find me essentially doing both of those things at hope learning and hope tuition clinic 
That's perfect. Thank you so much. And Andrea will also be in our Facebook group, Home Education Matters, where you can come and ask her any questions. And she'll also be putting links up to her businesses and any other helpful resources that she thinks might be useful if you're just sort of branching from teaching into tuition. So thank you so much, Andrea. It's been lovely having you with us today. Thank you very much for, for you know, letting me come on. It's, do you know what I found? And that for me, the main learning curve for me coming out of teaching has been in the home education sector there's still a lot I want to learn about it there's still a lot that I need to learn about it and I think that it's it's not an it's not there's no easy way in as such to 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 it and I think I'm just motivated by trying to get the best tutors in front of young people and I'm sure I don't know what your journey's been like but I imagine you've just had a variety of great tutors and just some awful tutors um and I think it's it, you know I suppose I'm motivated by trying to raise the standard of, of of those who are tutoring in in you know in education generally, and I think that there's such an opportunity for home education, and I think it's going to get better and better. And we need people who have been in it a long time, like yourself, almost guiding people like myself. We might be experienced educators and teach in schools, but this sector is is growing and it's so important. And I think we need as educators to know more about it and I think there's a lot that teachers and tutors who might stay within the safe school environment can learn from being in, in home education and I think a lot of the reasons why teachers don't do well in that sector is because we don't understand it. There's a lot of gatekeeping in home education which means that for a lot of people uh, you know sort of old school home educators who've been doing it a long time there's a lot of suspicion and doubt about people's intentions when they come into the home education sector you know that they see us as some sort of cash cow that they're going to sort of um uh, that they're just here to to get to get money from us they don't that perhaps they I mean I've, I've actually worked with with some tutors very briefly who didn't even seem to like home education <laughs> home educators they seem to think that we were sort of take you know why what very suspicious of us and I think there's that for, for many years there was a mutual suspicion between teachers and home educators and I think the home education sector is still there are still people in in our group who are very suspicious about te about tutors and who are very suspicious even about this kind of thing this podcast today um there will be a lot of people who listen to this or who won't listen to it at all because they will be of the view that you shouldn't be allowing tutors into the space. And one reason I, you know, I, I suppose I'd like to at least say at the start of the podcast is one reason I'm doing this is because I think just like you were saying, we need to make sure that all parents, all home educating parents are catered for and some home educators will want to use tutors. And if that's the case, let's make sure they get the best tutors and let's make sure there are tutors who really understand and resonate with home education. And I think all the time we hide ourselves away from these conversations and don't want to allow tutors into our groups and don't want to have these kind of conversations and we don't want to have dialogue. What we're doing is we're actually making it harder to make sure that those home educators who do want to use tutors can find the right ones and can find the ones that are really of high quality. So that's one reason I really want to do, want to do this podcast today is to enable us to have this dialogue and to be open and say, look, some people want to use tutors. How can we make sure that they're the best tutors for the home educators? Yeah, and absolutely. Just bring down the walls, bring down the barriers. Education, we're talking about it, you know, this conversation, there'll be so many others. It needs to be more fluid. It needs to be able to not have boundaries and barriers. And so if that means doing a little bit home educated, a little bit at school, we need to really massively, radically rethink about how we do it. And if 
tutors, teachers, home educators, regardless if 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 we're if we're still existing within these kind of you know impermeable walls, I think we're everybody's gonna gonna struggle because whether some teachers or home educators like it or not, the home education or online schooling, however you want to look at it, that alternative way of educating is seeing exponential growth. And so we want to make sure that we've got the right people, regardless of background, are in that space and shaping it in the best way possible. So, you know, I'm I'm sort of quite humble about that. I'm just like, I want to learn because I want to be the best educator I can be. I think there's more than one way to do it. And I think let's just get as many people as she's involved in these conversations, in these spaces, to be able to think about breaking down those walls. So what whatever you're trying to do here is, I think, only going to help with that. And if people don't want to listen to it, then doesn't matter, does it? Listen matter. to them. Listen to the one, listen to the one we did called Call It What You Want, which was all about the 26. Well, we found 26 different approaches to home education and they had the most amazing names. Some of them, some that I'd never even heard of. So there's a podcast for everybody. And I think that's it, very much when it comes to home education is that there are home educators who choose it because of ideology. There's home educators that choose it because well, they, they don't choose it, that have it forced upon them. And uh, we want a podcast that has episodes for everybody, I suppose. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been lovely having you with us. Thank you, Thank you for, for having me. And um, again, my door's always open for anybody wanting to have a chat. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.